The Credible Nerds present The Fourth Taviran, a Wheel of Time podcast. Where next? The two rivers. There are rumors of four Taviran there. All the right age. The old blood runs deep in those mountains. Let's hope it's prepared them for what's coming. Welcome, everyone, to the 4th Taviran Podcast. My name is Justin, and I'll be your host along with my fellow Taviran, Mark and Kyle. Hey, guys. How's it going? Hey. Nice to be with you again. Yeah, we want to welcome you back to our episode review of the Wheel of Time TV show on Amazon Prime. Uh, For those of you who have been listening to our show as we release them, you realize it's been a while since our last review show. But uh, what happened with that is we were watching the show in real time as it was released. And for me, I just wanted to, you know, watch, finish the series out before we did any review shows and kind of let it sit for a minute. If you listen to our past episodes, um, you can hear us that we're talking about it, comparing it to the books and really get a little, um, I don't know if frustrated is the right word, but uh, we spent some time complaining when I... We we feel like we should bring out the the criticisms of the show, but also we should be a little more positive about the show because we do like it at the end of the day. At least some of us do. <laughs> Mark shaking shaking his head. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, I wanted to let it sit and just kind of be there so we can get used to it and then go back and revisit it. So that's what we're doing right now. We picked up our review show a couple months after the show is finished. Rewatched it again last night and. I liked it a little better. I think I kind of let it got got used to it, I guess. And it is what it is at this point. So we're gonna move forward. But overall, I've I've liked the show, and I think I was just getting too caught up on the hangups. But I don't know. What do you guys think about overall? You know, it's been a couple months now. How's the show sitting with you on the on the rewatch? What do you think, Mark? Oh, it's pretty terrible. Um, <laughs> uh, look, I'm a realist of the book. Um, I'm a realist of this, uh, the white book, the Bible. Um, and there's nothing like, I, I kind of explained it off originally, like, look, maybe it, they'd be better off turning, saying, you know, saying this is the will of time, another turning, yeah. you know, something like that, something that can like keep the, uh, I don't know, the realists in it, right? You know, the big time fans, the people that want to see the book translated, you know, the movie trans show translated from the book, you know? Um, Cause then it would be like, Oh, okay. I'm going to get the general story, but it's going to be different. Right. Cause it's another turning. But if I was reading the white book today, it explains it pretty well that the turnings are pretty much the same. Hmm. That okay. There's very, there's very little deviance from it. So, I don't know if any of you have the white book, Will, uh, you know, The World of Robert Jordan's The Will of Time. It was written by Robert Jordan and Teresa Patterson. Um, and they, they kind of talk about, about it. And, uh, and it's pretty, pretty clear what it says. It says, with every, with every pass, the, cha- uh, the changes vary to an increasingly greater degree. For each age, there's a separate and unique pattern which forms the substance and reality for that age. The design is predetermined by the wheel and can only partially be changed by those lives that which make the threads on the weave. 
and then it goes on and basically says, but otherwise it's the exact same. There's, mm-hmm. there's very little change from, from, you know, age to age, you know, like the third age in every turning will be relatively the same. Yeah. Okay. Um, so anyways, so I kind of, once I read that, that really kind of changed my view and what I was trying to do. But, you know, I think for what it is, aside from what I know of the book, it's pretty decent. And this episode we're talking about today is easily my favorite episode. Uh, I really liked it, really enjoyed it. I, there was a lot of cool things in it. Um, it's kind of weird to see the split on the social media. Mm -hmm. Um, before it was really like give it a chance give it a chance and now you're seeing a lot more uh this is not you know i I can't defend it anymore Mm -hmm. so you're seeing a lot more of that um but yeah i mean i i think connected to the will of time i have to get a really low grade so far you know after the first season but as a standalone i I think it's decent you know i'd give it a a b minus okay so your opinion of the show hasn't changed despite it being a couple months later. It's still, no, you're still in the same mindset or opinion, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Still same opinion. I mean, I'm just, you know, I've tried to give it the benefit of the doubt, you know, but if you've watched the whole series, they've just changed so much. Like there's so many things they can't accomplish now. And there's so many things that they're going to have to like fundamental things for the book change make it work Mm -hmm. and so i don't know how they accomplish that without actually changing the the core of the story and and i don't like that right the core of the story needs to at least stay the same but now you're you're taking that away Mm -hmm. and and maybe some of that happened because they changed matt's character right we're gonna have a new a new actor playing matt and so he had to leave early so they kind of had to change some things to make work so maybe that's some of it but i don't know um i just there's too much too much different at the core Mm -hmm. okay what about for you kyle well now mark that you've mentioned (laughs) what that says in the in the white book, now I'm second guessing myself because now I, I was kind of in the same camp you were before you read that, read that in the you know in the book. This is another turning of the wheel, right? This is something completely different, and and I've you know without ha- without thinking about what you just read, that that's kind of where I'm sitting, right? I'm I'm appreciating for the the show for for what it is, um, but it's not the wheel of time, right? It's not the wheel of time. Um, as imagined or as written by by Robert Jordan, and now I feel like I've kind of come to grips with that, and I can kind of enjoy the show for for what it is. But you know, I, I do wish I do wish that it would have stuck more to the the key, you know, some of the key tenets of the book. Um, overall, though, I mean, I, I I'm I'm with I'm with you, Mark. Connected to the the wheel of time, it's it's pretty bad but as a standalone and in talking with a lot of my friends who haven't read the book right it's it, it's a decently produced series right I, i'd probably give it a b right as uh you know not not compared to the books right if you haven't mm-hmm. read the books and you're just wanting to watch a good show then yeah i mean it's a it's a it's a b show and so i i, I mean I think the special effects again are great. the The cinematography is really good. The story, 
I think they they just they missed the mark, and and that's that's okay, I guess. Well, it's not okay. Let's be honest. It's not okay. <laughs> it's not okay. But it is what it, it is. is. What it is at this point. Yeah. And they, I guess they can only get better. I mean, maybe they're listening to this criticism from the fans or these these comparisons, and they're like, okay, we got to do better next season. And somehow they get back on track. I mean, that's my mm. hope. We'll see. I, I just think it's going to be tough. Yeah, it's, it's going to be, be tough. tough. They're going to have to really be creative to get back on track, in my opinion. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Well, and there's, like I said, there's just certain things that you just cannot change uh, fundamental core things. And the things that you have to keep in, like some of the things they kept in and, and took out, I agree with, right? I mean, you just have to. And some of the things they took out, I don't agree with. Like the Narg thing. I know we talked about this before, but that's something that you have to give to the fans. That is something that's been like, awesome for fans since since it came out and since people realized they never heard a, a Trollock speak again. Um, it's, you know, like, why would you remove that, that thing, but then keep, you know, add random tidbits here, you know, like with Matt's family, mm-hmm. you know, it just that, that blows my mind. That kind of, you know, takes it away. It, and I get it, you know, they're trying to set a little bit more why, you know, Matt is the way he is and, you know, X, Y, and Z, but I, I don't know. <laughs> I just, why why would you take that out? Narg was so awesome. Yeah. Yeah, there are, are those little things that's, it just doesn't make sense. And they're not that much, it doesn't, it's not a money thing or a budget thing, I guess. It, it's just, hey, let's have the guy talk or let's have rats instead of bats like it is in the book or... All those little things. But anyway, we'll get on with our review of this episode. Episode four, The Dragon Reborn. One thing I do appreciate appreciate about the show and what I think does, um, what it does really well, is it gives us these scenes that aren't in the book. Like this episode starts off with Loghain and his followers attacking Gildan and taking over and you know, getting the king of Gildan to to join him and to fight with him, and we kind of see how Loghain is this presence in the world of, of the Dragon Reborn in this show, and how he is becoming a threat, and how the Aes Sedai are reacting to that. In the story, we just get these mentions here and there, and then until he actually shows up on scene, we don't know who he is. He's kind of in this background, and we get in the show, we get it up front. This is what's going on. This is who he is. He can channel the one power. And that's one thing I did like is they they show him channeling and using Saideen. And we see that the the weaves that he uses are tainted. They're dark as opposed to the Aes Sedai who their weaves are white and glow. But his is kind of this dark, it has this you know, shadow aspect to it. So in this scene, we get to see him track down the king. We think he's going to kill him. But he's actually like, hey, you know, let's work together. We need to to do something. We need to free the world from the Aes Sedai. Or, you know, we got to get things back to, to normal. And so he uses his power to actually heal the king's wounds that he, that he had sustained during the, the battle. And that he wants to bind the world, not break it. As opposed to what everybody thinks the dragon is going to do, is break the world again. He wants to, to fix it and make it whole. So... As far as that scene, that opening scene, what did you think about what we were shown there, Kyle? What were 
what your thoughts on that? I liked it. I, I thought the opening scene was really great. Um, you you hear about it in the book, but you don't really get any details on it, just like what you were saying, Justin. So I thought I thought that was a great addition. Um, it uh, I think it uh, was interesting to see Logan in that in 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 that uh, medium. Um, I I also think it was interesting the fact that he uh, they they kind of portrayed him as a a self proclaimed savior like uh, and and he and he was kind of in the book but um, I do think that yeah it's interesting that they highlighted that he wanted to bind the world as opposed to break it and I think it kind of demonstrates that the that fundamental flaw in his thinking in my opinion right in order for him to bind the world he would have to break it right it has to be broken to be rebuilt into something new right and so long and the short i i i did enjoy it i thought that it was a, a good add-in um and, and added to the story yeah okay any additional thoughts on that mark like what did you see there that you liked or didn't like I think my favorite part we see is we hear about the madness and hear about the voices but we kind of got to see that you know yeah like and it wasn't just you don't know who's speaking, right? We, I mean, it gave some names in the subtitles. I, I don't think we have actually know who they are. Um, I know on there's some a couple boards I've been on, and there's a lot of theories out there that the whispers are people from their last life at their worst, mm. like from being reborn over and over again. But that's, you know, hearsay. No one knows. But I just th- thought it was cool to hear them, like, talking and, like, giving information. And, and he's got to fight against that one way or the other, right? And he's either got to give in or or – or not and it was kind of cool to hear like the one is like you know telling like he they he doesn't believe you like your sister and mm-hmm. you're like so wait did he kill his sister yeah you know like is what where's his sister right yeah. so um and and that so that was pretty interesting to me and then to see him choose his own his own path like you know they were telling him like get rid of him and and he fights against it and, and chooses a greater a greater step um but i thought that was pretty strong to to see that that's what he's contending with. I mean, mm-hmm. we read about the man- madness, but I mean, to have that in your ear, and he even says that, you know, later in the episode to Moiraine, like they speak to me when I channel. Mm-hmm. Well, I hear them when I channel. And, um, you know, that's gotta be maddening. He, you know, you assume that he's been channeling for 10 plus years and he's been having this go on and on and on. So um, pretty neat. I, I, I like this addition. Um, because we hear that he conquers Gildan. How do you say? How do you guys pronounce it? Gildan. I'm I'm in I'm, a, I'm in the Gildan camp. Gildan. Okay. So um, you know we we know he does conquer, but it's kind of cool to see you know a quick a quick go of it and him you know actually corner the king and you know use some powers and destroy pretty much anything in front of him. Yeah. So uh, pretty neat. I, I give this the, the whole sequence right there like an A plus. It was it was neat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I really liked how they uh, kind of foreshadowed his his future character in that some of that decision making. Right, he he really becomes a force to be reckoned a force for good to be reckoned with in you know later in the books. But yeah, good foreshadowing there. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Loghain ended up being one of my kind of favorite background characters, as a, at least in the books as the story went on. So it was good to see him. I liked. I liked his portrayal here, and I thought the actor did a great job with him. Yeah. Um, one thing you you said, Mark, is that he's been channeling for like ten years, and I think that's an interesting point because he 
you know, the, the power or people's ability to channel and access the power usually happens when they're younger, you know, like Rand's age, basically. And he's probably, you know, at least 10 years older. So, you know, what's he been doing for the last 10 years? And, you know, how, how come we're just hearing about him now? I, so that's an interesting comment. I hadn't thought about that. So, mm-hmm. cool. well, and I don't remember if we talked about it last time, but it was a theory I know that I've, I've talked yeah. to you about. And maybe yeah, right brought, and I, we did bring it up. Yeah. Yeah, you know, who, who trained these guys? Who trained Gain and, and Mazum Tain? You know, and I, I know, like, I've read all the theory boards about it and, and, and yada, yada. And I know he does say at one point in the books, many books from now, it, it was, you know, I was set up by the Red Aja. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and who knows if that's true? Maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. Um, uh, we don't really know, but somebody had to, to help this guy out. I mean... Or if he would have gone mad and killed himself. Yeah. You know, he would have gone mad. You know, he obviously like, obviously he's sensing sub madness, but he's lasted a long time w- yeah. with this madness, you know? Yeah. And, and I know with Mazrum Taim, um, Mazrum Taim, how do you guys say that? Taim. Yeah, I say Taim. Okay. Mazrum Taim. There's the theory board out there is that um, he was always a dark friend. And because of that, the one power protected him from madness. Mm-hmm. You know, because we see that right within the with Baalzaman, mm-hmm. right? He's protected from that madness, and so the idea is that Mazum Taim had that protection. But what about Logain? Where does he fall in? And if he really was set up with by the Red Aja, it wouldn't make sense. There, and and he chose a different path at some point, you know. But uh, anyways, we're drifting. I yeah. <laughs> I got a lot of thoughts. Yeah, oh, man. Now I want to go. I want to go down that path now. Here, <laughs> the future episode. Future episode. Yeah. Yeah, so definitely a good open, good introduction to Loghain and his story. So, cool. But the main, uh, kind of the main meat of this episode, the main story is the Aes Sedai camp with uh, Lan and Nynaeve and Moraine, how they stumble upon it or track it down or however they get there. That's basically run by the Reds is what it sounds like, the Red Aja. But there are others there. There's some green. And I don't, did we see any other... I have Moraine is the blue. Moraine, right? Right? But, oh, yeah, she's the blue. I yeah, just remember seeing the red. Mostly reds. red and green. Yeah. And they're there with their waters. They've captured Loghain. And they, they gave an explanation in the episode that they sounded like they snuck into the camp that, that he was at with his followers and shielded him while he slept. And then they used, you know, the power to call down lightning to scare the rest of them away. And so they were able to get away with him. So they tracked him down basically and were able to get him I don't think they ever explained that in the books that is another positive thing that we get here is an explanation of how they they got him so in the books he's captured in a battle in Lugard so a little bit different right and it doesn't say what happened maybe they were in the middle of a battle in Lugard and they just snuck in and got him but even in the books it doesn't say it just says he was captured and I said I died yeah. So it doesn't really go in. So it could have been. It doesn't really say where they're at. Right. Yeah. Now that you mentioned, I do remember the Lugard part of it. Um, but we start off, the episode starts off with, or at least this part of it, starts off with uh, Moraine being healed by Karini, they say Karini Nagashi. And she is a, of the green Aja. Right, uh, not the yellow, which I thought was interesting. But I guess Moraine is able to heal people too, so it's not exclusive to the yellow Aja as far as healing goes. 
But um, so she's healed. Go ahead. Do you know who she is? Kind of makes sense once you find out who she is. Do you guys I, remember who she I is? I don't remember offhand, no. So she she doesn't actually exist in the main books. No. She came in the new spring. Okay. And um, and what's her name talks about her. Uh, and Cat Swain talks about her. And um, she was actually more powerful than Moiraine and Swan. Hmm. And uh, she was considered the most powerful uh, Aes Sedai besides, besides Cat Swain, is according to Cat Swain. And she is killed by the Black Aja in the New Spring. Okay. So she doesn't actually exist this far, but what we do know about her is that she really did have two warders within the names match, but she was, she's super, super powerful. Like literally the most powerful person in the tower right now, since Cat Swain's absent. Mm. So, I mean, that's who she is. So for her to heal kind of makes sense, even if it's not her thing, her thing, because she's so strong in the power. Right. Well, that makes sense. I do remember that. I, I called the, I called her Corinna. Okay. And so, yeah. Okay. Okay. I do remember that. Yeah, so she's there, and she's one of the main. So it's her, and Leandrin, Moraine, and let's see who else. Um, let's see, I wrote this down. Um, Isn't that Alana? Is it? Yeah, Alana. They're the four most powerful ones there, and they're the only ones that have enough strength to shield Loghain, as he's pretty powerful, and he's trying to break through the shield. And as a result, since we well before Moraine got there, it was just the three of them, and so we see uh, Karini heal Moraine, and she's really tired. And she tells tells her, "Well, we've been shielding Loghain, and it's really quite the effort." So they take her to, in to see what what they're doing. She goes into that; they're in, in this cave, and he's uh, the Aes Sedai have the shield around him, and she goes in and she joins that, and she's able to participate from now on in helping out and I thought it was interesting how they showed the weaves and how the shield kind of enacted and covered Loghain and we got to see a visual of that which I thought was pretty cool because that was one of my questions about the shield coming into it you know is are we going to see the weaves and are they going to be look effective or are they going to be look cheesy or what but I thought that was a good representation of that and so while she's doing that Moraine realizes just how powerful he really is at least in this part of the episode. So, um, and then lands there. He's working out, exercising with the, the warder Stepin, which is Karini's warder. Uh, they talk about how the Amberlin seat wants them to bring back Loghain to the tower, and then we find out as well that uh, the Reds they want to um, gentle him right there. You know, they want to. You know, I guess it's a long way from where they're at back to the the White Tower. So they don't want to go through all that, and they want to do it right then. So that's kind of the the conflict. One of the undertones of this episode is the Greens and Moraine, they want to take him back to the White Tower and have the trial and make a decision there. But the Reds, they just want to gentle him right then and there, which is typical of, you know, Reds, the Red Aja behaviors. So any, any thoughts on, on this part as far as, the gentling, or the, I guess the shielding at this point of, of Loghain and how powerful he is. I like you. I, I like the I like the visualization of the shield. I always imagined it as like a a disc that kind of would 
be between i always imagine the one power is a cord mm-hmm. right and i always imagine the shield is kind of a, a quasi you know traditional shield over not not necessarily an all enveloping mm-hmm. web but i liked it I, I thought that was kind of nifty and now that i think about them like you know you, you hear you know future characters talk about you know finding breaks in the shield to break through right it makes sense that it's kind of a full covering so anyways i like the i liked the visualization there mm-hmm. yeah yeah i liked it you know that link is you know they did the hand thing you saw like it kind of was representing you know what you're seeing right um i i'm going to bring us a little back to reality because i love the books that's what i'm here for <laughs> yeah. um i always i thought it was weird that they're sitting there holding him when they know how to tie off weaves yep <laughs> yeah yep. i didn't think of that till just now yeah, like it was always silly to me. It's like, why are they sitting? They, because a tied-off weave will degenerate over time. We know this. They talk about it. But initially, it's as strong as it was. So why don't all four just tie off a weave at once and, and call it a day and come back the next day, right? And, and you assume that's what they did um, originally. But, you know, so they could have tied it off. That was weird. And then the second one was in the episode, not quite yet, but later, Leandrin said, it's always harder on the person blocking them than the person that's being blocked. Like, it takes me more energy to to shield that person than it does them to, like, try to break out of it. And I thought that was really weird, too. Um, because then it seems to always give up the upper hand to whoever's being blocked, but mm-hmm. I always thought it came down to who was more powerful. If I'm more powerful than you, I'm going to block you. End of story, you know? Um, I mean, there, I know there's a few exceptions we read through the book where people get out, you know, whatever. But um, uh, so that that was kind of weird. There's a couple, like, inaccuracies there. It just kind of didn't make sense. I know that they did it for the effects of the book or for the effects of the episode, and, and it was neat and stuff. Um, but... That, that always bothered me when I saw that. I was like, I don't, this doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it adds a more dramatic visual because in the story, you know, people do get shielded and they don't just sit there and focus on them the whole time. Right. No. Yeah. There's someone there watching them to like, make sure they don't actually do something. But as far as the power goes, like you said, they, they tie off the weave and it's good. Right. It's a relatively, once they're shielded, it's a relatively low effort. Yeah. So anyway, so that's kind of the the main part of the story is the Aes Sedai shielding Loghain. Uh, and we go back and forth with the other characters of the group. Uh, Perrin and Egwene are with the, the Tinkers. The last episode, they found the Tuathon, or at least the Tuathon found them, and then they joined them. In this episode, they they decide to head east towards Tar, Tarvalon, and Aram's there. I think we met him last episode. But anyway, he's there and he's talking to Egwene and, and Perrin and he's kind of their main focus with the Tinkers is, is them. So they decide to go east as well with, with this group because they're heading both in the same direction. So not much there. Uh, along the way, they, they have a, some parties at night, which they do in, this, in the story, in the book. And they talk about, they do a lot of talking about the way of the leaf. This is, we're introduced to that here. And what that means. Uh, in the story, it's pretty similar to this. They they talk about it, but then it's not till a couple books later who we actually find out what that means and where that came from. But actually, the way of the leaf is just, you know, do no harm. Don't use weapons. If you're attacked, don't fight back. And which 
it would be hard to do. I don't know how they've survived this long, especially after the breaking of the world, um, with everybody trying to one up each other and you know, protect themselves. I don't know how they've been able to survive this long, but uh, they they have. Uh, yeah, I, I thought they were pretty true to to what I would expect. You know, I think it was um, pretty spot on. I mean, you can't go around them. I, I don't know how much I actually enjoyed the Tuathan anyway. I think that uh, they become more pronounced once the Aiel are going to be introduced in a, in a bigger way because then there's a, a connection there and then, the, then their story kind of matters to the Aiel and you know throughout the book I think they they do more but I mean I, I thought it was neat here um I I think the only thing I missed out of this episode with with the Tuathan is not not meeting um Dang it, Longtooth. What is his real name? Elias. 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 Elias Long, yeah. yeah. So I, I called him Longtooth. That's his That's his um, wolf name. Wolf name, but uh, Elias Muncher. I think that's the only thing I missed out here. Other than that, you know. They're... I did read something because I looked it up. Uh, they'd have cast Elias for next season. <laughs> so I don't oh, know. really? I don't know why they didn't do that now, but uh, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's interesting okay yeah so any thoughts on the tuathan kyle no that basically is echoing mark it's basically yeah. what i imagined yeah, they, they look good yeah good representation i like aram i've always liked aram even when yeah other stuff happens um he's okay. kind of the realist of the group <laughs> it's like we gotta fight back come on but uh so i i like the character the guy that plays him i think it's a good good fit and it was good to see him and flirting with Egwene and all that stuff so but yeah we, we so we have them traveling east with the tinkers and we have rand matt and tom they've left that village after killing that dark friend and escaping and their story is basically they're going through the woods um, trying to find where to go i think they're heading east as well to and along the way they're talking about you know why is tom helping us you know what's his you know involvement which is reason to help us um and so they also talk about how the the dark friend had mentioned a fifth person of the, like the dragon could be this other person, you know, these four from Emmonsfield as well as a fifth person. And so they're talking about who else, who else could it be? And then we get a visual clue because Matt asks who else? And then the show cuts back to Loghain showing him. So they're, they're telling us it's Loghain is the fifth person, but I don't, again, I think we brought it up last episode as, how how do they know who <laughs> i guess it's easier to tell who Logan is is he could be the false dragon but why these four from Emmonsfield? i don't that doesn't make sense why they're considered to be a dragon a false dragon yeah. or not so this is silliness um the hey, it, it really comes I don't know who they meant for the five. I always assumed that the fifth one was Nine Eve. Mm-hmm. After the end, of, after the end of this episode, we'll get there. Yeah. Nine Eve, Nine Eve, whatever. Um, and uh, but it's silly because that question was directly asked to to Robert Jordan. You know, who are the Taverns? Could there be more Taverns than three? And he said, "Absolutely not. There's only three. Period. 
There's only three. So it could have only been one of the three people. This is kind of a more of a movement that came early, like years and years ago, that assumed that, well, these two women had to be one because, because their stories take an arc that would be relevant to what a tavern could do. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And I've always thought that Egwene could be, even though it's not, she's not, because in the story, Robert, like you said, Robert Jordan said there's only three. But if there was another one, it, it would be Egwene based on her story. Yeah. And based on rereads, you kind of pick up on that stuff happens in the same way that stuff happens to Rand. So, but yeah, she's not. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then it's kind of weird that they would focus in on Loghain is possibly, you know, kind of hint that because he's not the only false dragon right now. Right. Where's Mazrum yep. Tain? Yeah. Yep. So kind of, kind of a, a, you know, a weird thing, but I, just once they got the end, end of the episode, it's like, okay, it's one of the five, Egwin or Nynaeve. The, the whole point of New Spring was to identify who the dragon reborn could be. And only a select few knew those names, basically Moraine and Swan. Right. And so up in outside of them, there was this select list, and that's who Moraine was searching for at the beginning of this series with Lan. And no one else knew that, except maybe some dark friends. And then Loghain's on the scene, Mazram Tame's on the scene, and they're false, they could be false dragons. They're proclaiming themselves as Dragon Reborn. And outside of those two, the public doesn't know anything about Rand no. or Matt or Perrin, right? That's a whole separate issue. And they somehow combined them, this Taveran idea, as well as the Dragon Reborn idea into one. Right. That's what it seems like. Yeah. Yeah. So then we go back to the camp, the Aes Sedai camp, and Alana and Moraine are talking about how powerful um, Loghain is. And this is where they bring up that there's been dragons in the past, obviously, uh, but they're, they've been men and women. And from what I can tell in the story, what I remember, that's not it. It's basically this is a creation for this show. Um, and again, it's not, I think they created this misdirection that it could be Egwene, it could be Nynaeve, just so they can have this mystery throughout this first season on who it would be until the very end. And I, I don't think they pulled it off very well, at least in my mind. I didn't. Like, there was never a mystery for me, maybe because I read the story, but I don't know. <laughs> Good, bad, right, or wrong. I think it goes back to what Mark said. I think they, to your point, there was the mystery, but yeah. Mm-hmm. And here we, say, here we see Loghain try to break the shield, try to break through it. And so it kind of foreshadows that it could happen later, but they stop him. Um, I've always wondered how many it would actually take for him to have broken through. Because I think we see seven hold Rand, right? They do, they do a full circle on him, but I remember they had, during the fight at Dumai Wells, seven were holding him, I believe, and he couldn't break out. He eventually does because, like, you know, his memories kind of give him a, a little hint on, on how to do so. But just with pure brute strength, he couldn't do seven. So how many could Loghain do? Yeah. Have, I, I, two? And Yeah, I think this early in the book, I don't know that he could get out of more than probably two or three, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I don't know that he's that powerful this early in the book, right? 
Uh, he's powerful. He's powerful. I mean, don't get me wrong, but I, I think, I think when you know later in the book, after certain events happen, and he learns more, he's more powerful. And so I wouldn't doubt that it's maybe two or three that could hold him. Well, I mean, they, it's obviously two, right? I mean, two oh, could hold him for sure. Sure, um, sure, but yeah. But like actual book reading, you know, not not this, you know, not awesome. No, I, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm thinking about in the book too, right? I'm well, just, they rolled yeah. him into Camelin in the cage. There was like four, one on each post that were shielding him. Yeah, it could have been. Yeah. So at least four. Do you ever think in the book that he was? I don't know. I've always thought like in the book he may have been toying with him then. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, because he laughed at him. Because he laughed, and I don't know if that's just the sign of the madness, right? But, but could he been could he have been toying with him? And then when he actually gets to Tarval, and anyways, yeah, I'm 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 getting ahead of ourselves here. So, <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. It's, it's all my fault. Yeah. <laughs> so back to Rand, Matt, and Tom. They come upon this house in the woods, and they're confronted by a man with a bow and arrow on it that has it trained on him. And they, they talk, and they're like, hey, you just want a place to sleep, but he doesn't trust them. We see Matt, he kind of goes into this hyper-focus mode, and he starts reaching for his daggers, and you know that it, potentially this guy could be killed. And we find out that uh, this is the Grinwell home, that um, Elise Grinwell, she's, uh, she's in the story, but not here in this book. So I don't know, maybe she's already at the tower, but... Um, so they they end up getting invited in to sleep with them in their barn. They got to do some chores to earn their keep, but they are able to stay there for the night. And uh, while they're cleaning out the stables, uh, Matt, he, he gets tired real quickly, starts throwing up, and his throw up is kind of this dark, tainted substance. And so again, another misdirection in, in the sense that, oh, maybe he's the dragon reborn. He's... You know, he has act. He's accessing the power. And Tom, he thinks that that might be the case. He tells Rand about his nephew Owen, and how he was able to look out for him. But then, you know, he ended up being able to channel the one power. But he was discovered by the Aes Sedai, and they found him and gentled him. And he tells the story of how eventually Owen just killed himself because he couldn't touch the power anymore, which is a typical side effect of being stilled or gentled. They lose the will to live, basically. And so that, I thought that was good. I mean, there's not a lot of substance to Tom in this show so far. And this is one of the things that is true to the book. You know, he decides to help the, uh, the boys based on his past relationship with his, his nephew, Owen, and how he lost him and wanted to make up for it. So I like that. I thought that was good. Matt has this moment with one of the, the daughters, Helga, and they talk and... Helga reminds Matt of his sisters. And Helga offers Matt her Brigitte doll to take back to his sisters. So we get a mention, shout out to Brigitte. Um, but uh, this doll didn't have... Whatever she so, is. <laughs> yeah. The doll didn't have silver hair, so I don't know. But... Uh, without <laughs> it. <laughs> I noticed that when I was rewatching. I was like, what? What? So- so did Why? I. So did Why? I. But I'm I, surprised I, it wasn't like a middle-aged man, you know, like with crutches or something. <laughs> I had to stop myself there, though. I, I was like, she doesn't have silver. Kyle, Kyle, it's not the book. It's not the book. 
No, it's not silver. It's gold. Gold hair. Silver bow, gold hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. I just thought it was funny that they all got held up by farmers. I mean, they're these the, you know, the, the they're these like expert stalkers growing up in the two rivers, and they get held up by a bunch of farmers. And I'm like, yeah, you get oh, surprised by them. Some, yeah. Yeah. All right. Storytelling device. Um, what you got to do? What do you think about Tom in this moment? How he's able to pick up on Matt? He, something's wrong with him. It's not natural. Um, I think it kind of shows that Matt or that Tom is more traveled than we all assume. And, and we learn later in the books, right? Like that he really is. But at this point, we don't know. But this is kind of like a a thing, right? You meet him and he's a, uh, he's like pretty much a bard, right? He's gleaming um, without his instrument. And, uh, <laughs> um, and so but we kind of see how well-traveled he actually is that he kind of picks up on things. Like he understands like what's normal, what's not normal. Like, Hey, I, I had a son who's this, you know, and, and he went through, you know, similar things and X, Y, and Z. So um, it, pretty interesting. I like how, how they brought him in. I know everybody had one person in mind who would play this Gleeman. <laughs> And on that but, note, I did. Have you seen 1883? Uh-uh. It's a TV show from, yeah. But he, that actor, is in that show. And so I've been watching it. And every time I see him, I was like, dude, that, that's Tom right there. It's why isn't Tom. He, why isn't he Tom? <laughs> I know. Um, just anyways. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I kind of like how they, they ended up bringing him in, too. Because I can kind of see the... The, you know, here's an older guy with wisdom. He's well traveled and he's he's spry. Because I don't think we'd get that spryness out of, out of uh, Sam Elliott. Um, yeah, Sam Elliott anymore. He's just too old. He's kind yeah. of you know what I mean. And so the, the spryness is where we're getting now. Yeah. And and I see that in this guy. So I, I like that. True. Yeah, Sam Elliott. He'd have made an interesting Tom. Twenty years ago, he'd have been perfect. That'd have been a perfect Tom. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Perfect yeah. Tom. Perfect with the mustache like the whole thing mm-hmm. all right so they go back to the i said i camp show us uh naive sitting around the fire with all the warders at night they're talking about uh, their i said i their relationship with their i said i and how the bond they say that the bond is the closest thing closest relationship anyone can ever have and they're proud of their role naive is skeptical um she feels like they're being controlled by the the i said i that they have this old, this hidden agenda, which they do, but um, she's very skeptical of the whole thing. And throughout this scene, there's, I notice that there's these huge sexual overtones throughout. They all kind of joke and wink, wink, hey, you know, these two warders are going off with their I said I, and then he's like, do they really? And they're like, yeah. So I don't know. I think I think that's a natural. If they're all up for it, I'm sure that some something like that happens. So Lan goes into his tent with Moraine and they talk. This is an interesting moment because they do bring up how Loghain, you know, he's 10 years too old. You know, they were, go back to the New Spring prophecy that we read about in that book. And at that, they were looking for kids of a certain age, but Loghain's just 10 years too old to be the dragon reborn. So that statement there says he's a false dragon. So they... 
Moraine's upset because they lost the Taviran, the the guys from Emmonsfield. Uh, and then Lan kind of throws out, you know, I, I drink too much. You get very emotional when I drink too much. And then we see Moraine reach out and grab his arm in a familiar way. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So it led me to believe that they, you know, they slept together that night. So I don't know. What did, did you guys get that feel or... I never reading the story, the books. I think maybe they, maybe did some stuff, but it wasn't like a regular thing for them that they weren't. They were more business than pleasure. Yeah, yeah. That that was. I I never imagined them in a romantic fashion right. in the book at all. Like they were. Even even the way that she bonded him in the book was all. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was kind of you know, semi trickery, but all in the same breath, it's. Yeah, that they they've always just been business mm. in my mind, Lana Moraine. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean I never got the sense in any of the book. I feel like she was too much involved in the dragon to, to worry about anything else. And to her, um, Land was a tool to help solve that right. riddle. Right. I mean, and he he viewed lovemaking and sex as we see in the spring in the new spring, we read a little bit more about it, as more of like a almost like a religious type thing right like yeah. and it was like it had deep meaning and there was like a protocol to follow when it comes to that and he wouldn't have had that with Maureen you know like he wouldn't have given that up because that was something that was important to him as part of who he was and where he came from and so I I don't see it um happening but I mean with everything else we, who knows right. <laughs> in the show who knows I get what they're doing um but in reality, I, I don't think that would actually occur. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know how we have New Spring? It's a prequel to the whole series in the books. It talks about Moraine and, and Swan and their quest to find the Dragon Reborn. I always thought it would be good to have a prequel about Tom. Because he's, like you said, well-traveled. He's involved in all these courts and this political intrigue it'd been great to read a story about him and his adventures and how he met Moraine before they meet in this story. I think that'd be a good prequel to read, but uh, hear me, hear me out. The adventures of Jane Farstrider and, and Tom and Tom, and Tom Maryland. Yeah. Maryland. Yeah, that was, yeah. I guarantee they knew each other. I guarantee they knew each other. Like Tom, he went, you know, like Jane Fodder Schreider one went everywhere, right? Everyone knew him, everyone knew who he was. So you got to know when he's going to places like he's getting treated like nobility. And Tom Marilyn is the, like, in reality, he should be the king of, you know, Carrien, you know? (laughs) You know, he plays the game of houses like nobody's business. Everybody's listening to this guy and inviting him in their courts and knows him. I know that they know each other. And I always thought it was weird that when he was being called Noel, you know, is that Noel? Yeah. yeah. Um, when he was being called Noel, I always thought it was weird. They never like, <laughs> ah, you know, I, I know who you are. I'm not going to say nothing because I know. And you're not going to say nothing because you know who I killed. Have a good day. You know what I mean? Like, you know, just kind of like the, the thing. I, I was like, that would have been, that's a missed opportunity. But that would be a cool outrigger book. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Tell Brandon Sanders to get on it. We'll have it in a couple of years. She, she, she wrote five books. You can write five books in like six months. So I don't yeah. know. 
It's a good secret project, in my opinion. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's kind of into that thing lately. Yeah, it's next year's project. Next year's Fine. Kickstarter. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, back to Egwene and Perrin. They're still with the Tinkers. They talk about finding the song. Uh, we learn more about that later. I thought it was a good intro to that whole okay. plot point. Hopefully it comes up later. And, yeah. So, I don't know. Egwene and Perrin, they just kind of continue on with the the tinkers and we'll find out more in the next episode so enough of them uh back to rand matt and, and tom which is for me the best part of the whole episode perhaps even the series but uh, uh rand and matt they're getting ready to go to sleep in the barn that night and uh rand he's like hey matt hey matt i'm here for you if you ever need anything just let me know and matt's just like eh, go to sleep <laughs> kind of blows him off so Rand falls asleep. He starts to have these crazy dreams. And they're at the farmhouse there. At least he is. And he sees Perrin banging a hammer on a body. And I'm assuming it was his his dead wife. Um, he's still troubled about that. And then we see Matt walking around with blood on his hands with this blank look on his face. Really creepy moment. Uh, Egwene's there calling, for his, calling his name. And then Balsamon comes up behind her and grabs her. And we get a good view of, of him, his face with the, the fire in his eyes and his mouth. And he like screams at him and he wakes up as a result. And so he looks around, Tom's there, but Matt's gone. So they run to the farmhouse and they see, they, they run in the house and all the, the family's dead. They've been killed. And then we see Matt standing there with a the dagger. So we're led to believe for a second that oh, he did it. But then he points the dagger up into the shadows and says, I see you. They look up and there's this Murdross up there in the shadows. And so all of a sudden everything goes crazy. Tom's like, get out of here, get out of here. And he tells Rand to grab Matt and they, he does that and they leave. And we see this very quick, awesome confrontation between Tom and the Murdraw, mm. where he's throwing knives. The Murdraw's just grabbing it out of the air and they're fighting. And then Rand and Matt just take off and that's the end of it. So... What would you guys think of this short but awesome sequence? I totally echo. It was it was great. You know, I think it was, uh, while not exactly the same as the books, right? It's it's still indicative of of you know Tom putting his neck out there for the boys, mm-hmm. fighting even you know something as powerful as a murderall to help them get away, right? And so I think it illustrates a couple of things: one, how versatile Tom is, and how handy he is in a fight, right? And, you know, in the books, since he's kind of presented as an older, more seasoned person, you don't necessarily get that vibe early on until you see him fight with this Murdral in the book, right? Mm -hmm. And, I mean, obviously he doesn't come out totally unscathed in the book, but, um, yeah, I mean, I I thought the scene was great. It uh, foreshadowed, you know, Tom's abilities and, yeah, right on point, so... Mm-hmm. Awesome, right? I loved how he was like, I can see you. And the, I think that's kind of like a little foreshadow of Mashida, right? You know, of, of what's in him. Mm-hmm. Um, they did a horrible job explaining all of that. But it, he has in him an evil that that we know has killed um, nations. You know, and, yeah, nation, yeah, killed nations, have killed fades and trollocks. They do not want to enter, you know, that... Uh, that city or anything you know 
and so it recognizes it you know it's like I, you can't hide from me i you know mm -hmm. I'm, I'm that was awesome right. and and i liked that part because it's like if you haven't read the book you don't recognize it if you read the book you're like aha you know like that was amazing uh, I think we got to see a lot of Tom Marilyn here, uh, his fighting skills, what he brings. I think throughout the whole book, we read about <laughs> uh, some warders, unnamed warders, and like 10 people that can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with a midril. And mm -hmm. he, he goes toe-to-toe -to -toe with a midril and wins, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, we don't know what happens to him. Yeah. We think My he dies. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, <laughs> But, uh, you know, and so that's pretty neat to, to see, you know, like uh, someone that can stand up to Midro because these are dangerous things, you know, they, they kill people by the dozens. And, and I also like, as sad as it is, it's horrible, you know, he, he killed, you know, people and killed that little girl and that was sad, but I think it shows the fear you should feel for Midro. Mm -hmm. They don't care and they keep going. I mean, you can cut off their head if we read the book and they will keep going. Mm -hmm. So that, that's what we're contending with here. So I, I thought it was really neat to, to have that and to show Tom just be like, you know, I'm awesome, let's yeah. do this. Yeah, yeah, very well done. Needed more of it. And as awesome as Tom was, we get to see that here. And it just makes me wish we would have seen him from the beginning. Yep. From the two rivers going forward, how much better this show would have been if with him from the beginning. Yeah. Totally mm -hmm. agree. Yeah. You can add tons of character moments with Matt and Rand and Perrin even. Mm -hmm. But not to be... But so we then after that, we cut back to the main story, kind of the the climax of this episode where Nynaeve, Land and Moraine are in the Aes Sedai camp. Um, Nynaeve and Land, they're, they're off by themselves and they have this, they share this moment where they both realize that the other is more than what they had thought they that they were and so they their eyes are open a little bit that hey maybe this other person's pretty cool um, but as right before that moment is, is set to continue uh the camp is attacked uh Loghain's followers his army has found them and so they're coming in and the Aes Sedai and the warders they have to defend the camp so we lead, we see a lot of stuff with the Aes Sedai using the power to defend the camp defend themselves and um so it was really nice to see the power being used and how it can be used in fighting others and one of the the three oaths is that they can't use the power to kill anyone unless they're being their their own lives are being threatened and i think this incident qualifies for that um so they're justified in what they do and for the most part, the Aes Sedai pretty much own this army, right? They, it, there's a little bit of struggle due to the numbers, but in the end, they're able to defeat him. But in the meantime, in the cave with Loghain being uh, shielded, uh, the wards go off that, um, what's it, was it Karini that had set the wards? And so there's like this flash of light and she's like, hey, my wards are going off. And so that prompts Loghain to know, hey, my army's here to to save me. So he is able to use his power to break the shield and knocks um, Leandrin and Karini unconscious as a result. And then just then Moraine comes running in and they have this conversation that I thought was pretty interesting. So she asks him why, why should she believe that he's the dragon reborn? 
So then he talks about how he can hear the voices of all the dragons that lived before him. And she, she tells him, no, you're just going crazy. <laughs> Those are the voices from the madness that comes from using Sidene. And so she goes off and saying that, you know, your power, you're strong, but your power is just a trickle to what the real Dragon Reborn is going to be able to use. And she uses the power to push him away. And then they, they're able to, Leandrin and Kringini wake up at that moment and are able to help her shield him. So what do you guys think about their little conversation they had there? What, as far as him being just a very small fish in the pond compared to the real Dragon Reborn? I think it opens his eyes um, in the book. I, I've always wondered, you know, what his origins were, you know, where he came from and stuff and what that, what that point in time meant to him to have, have someone say that, you know, cause he says later in the book, you know, later in the books, he says, I was just born too early. So it, was it like, look, I'm a guy who can channel really strong. I must be the dragon reborn. Let me go down this path. Mm-hmm. You know, was it, did he just feel like that was expected of him? Did someone put him on that path? You know, but whatever it was, it his bubble was popped right here. You know, when he gets captured, you know, in this, not necessarily in this specific moment in the show, but around the time he's captured, you know, he, he's got to realize, you know, when he looks at Rand, when he sees Rand and starts laughing and everything in the book. Um, but it, it was pretty neat, you know, because Moraine is, is sure he's not. And she tells him with all certainty. And... Where do you think and that you certainty see, comes from? I mean, because she was there for the, you know. For the prophecy. She was, yeah, for, she was there for the prophecy. She knows he's 10 years too old. Oh, okay. Yeah. So whatever he is, he is not the Dragonborn. Maybe he's a guy that can channel. Maybe he's a guy that's going to help out or not help out. But she is sure what he isn't. And he isn't the Dragonborn. And and so she tells him with that certainty. And you can see in his, like in his eyes. And he's like, he kind of knows. I'm not, you know, and at the end of the episode, we really, he really understands that when he sees that, you know, that glowing light. And, um, but uh, it, it was, it was kind of cool, a good conversation. Great to see some power, you know, go against each other like that. You know, um, uh, I, I wonder, are we going to see, well, anyways, it's a rabbit hole. I'll ask another. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So during this confrontation, Loghain uses the power to attack the Aes Sedai before they can shield him. And Karini is killed in this moment as a result. And so Step in her water, realizes that, recognizes that he's out fighting the army. And he realizes that and starts to, you know, as as usual, go crazy because the bond is broken. And there's just emotional emotions all over the place. So he runs back to the cave along with all a bunch of others, including Lan and Nynaeve. And when they come into the cave, he uses his axe. He has these double axes, and he attacks Loghain, but he's shielded. But the axes penetrate the shield enough that he's able to use his power within that shield to break the axes, axes in, into pieces and push them towards the group and kill most of the people, including Lan, who gets cut in the throat. And he falls down and he's there bleeding out as a result from these axe shards that Loghain was able to use against them. And so Nynaeve reacts to that. And she's, we all know she has a block, but an anger helps her overcome that block. 
And so she uses her power, her access to Sidar. And there's this huge light, like you alluded to earlier, and that light it heals everybody except Karini. She's still dead because she was dead before that. And so everybody's healed and everybody's fine. I don't know. What do you think about that, Kyle, as far as Nynaeve manifesting her her uh, access to the one power at this point? I thought it was a good illustration of how powerful Nynaeve is and how powerful she ends up being in the book, right? Yeah. And I think for her, I thought it was a good uh, foreshadowing into you know just her raw talent, raw unmolded talent that she you know mm-hmm. possesses. I, I and you know later in later in the book and you know that, that, again that's another rabbit hole. I mean she's incredibly powerful and ends up you know helping in in significant ways. I, uh, the thing that that kind of bugged me about the whole scene was the uh, axes, yeah, penetrating, penetrating the shield. I you know quote unquote right the shield. It's not a physical thing, yeah. right in the books. It's uh, it blocks them from the one power. But they can, I mean, they they can be killed. They can be touched. They can, you know, it's not a it's not a physical presence kind of a thing. And the fact that the axe penetrating the shield allows Logan to break out of it is it, it makes no sense, right? It, it's it, the the shield is a thing of the one power, right? I, I get I get what they did in in the in the show to show dramatic effect, right? But you know, in, in the end, in the end. A physical weapon does not have any effect on a on a shield, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Right. Right. And so, anyways, that that aside, um, I really liked Nynaeve being able to heal everybody at once. Kind of a nice foreshadowing of her healing tendencies and mm-hmm. how she may or may not join the uh, an Aja associated with healing in the future. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so. And and I really like it because it kind of shows how Nynaeve, despite her her anger issues, her rage issues, and you know everything else like that, at the heart is a is a caring and you know loving person that wants to help and heal, right? And so, and I think that's really you know part of you know part of what attracts Len to her as we begin to see in the in the episode. So yeah, I liked, I liked the, I liked Nynaeve in that, in that scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think, Mark? Oh uh, yeah. I mean, it was, it was a neat scene. I think we got to see, you know, pretty close how strong man's, you know, how strong uh, Loghain is um, with the power. He's quite powerful. Um, and, you know, he's quite dangerous. He can take out loads of people at once. Um, pretty neat. I liked the naive thing. I like her healing everybody. For me, that was a little too much too soon. You know, like, yes, she is powerful. Yes, she can heal loads of people um, as, as she gets better and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But that is a far cry from, like, I'm just really pissed off. I'm going to heal 30 people at once. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and so – it, like there's a curve in there. Yes, like we read in the book that she gets upset. And she does some miraculous things, but you know, you you, <laughs> you don't accidentally heal thirty people when you just because you're really super mad. Yeah. Maybe you heal one or two people, and you're like, oh, holy crap! You know, I, I healed people in a way that these people couldn't just because I'm so powerful. But I don't know. So that part was a little bit far fetched for me, but I did like it. 
even though it was far-fetched, I did like it. It was cool to see that and for him to like look at her, you know, and be like, oh, there's the, you know, there's that light. You know, there's that, that's power. Yeah. That's real stuff right there. And um, so that was, that, that was pretty cool. I, I did like that. Um, I wonder, I've always wondered where Logan stands next to Nynaeve. Because according to the, uh, in the books, he's definitely not as strong as, as um, Rand. He's pretty close to Mazum Time. But, you know, where does Nynaeve stand in that? Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, how, how, how much stronger is she actually than him? We don't know. Uh, but I wouldn't imagine that much. But maybe. So anyways. Yeah, they're pretty close, I imagine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially when it comes back. Um, so after that, um, the Aes Sedai join. They link. And they are able to, they all link with Leandrin. She's able to gentle him, cutting him off from Sidene for good. At least in theory. So he's he's sad because the power, he has no access. He can feel it, but he can't access it. And so just like uh, Tom's nephew, Owen, he same thing happens to him and he's just devastated. So we'll see if he has the will to live as we go on. Uh, yeah, so overall, one of the, be- the best episodes so far, in my opinion. I definitely give it, I give it an eight. Um, some things I struggle with, but overall I liked it. A good entry into the series. So uh, what, what's uh, final thoughts for you, Kyle, on the episode as a whole? How would you rank it? On the episode of a whole, as a whole, definitely... Also, my favorite one in the whole uh, season is it was really good. I'd also give it an eight. Um, again, I mean, I have my gripes with the differences from the book, but overall, I I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good episode. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. Mark, good episode, right? I, I think the same thing. Eight, nine, right there. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, there's a lot of cool things about it. A lot of great cinematography, and we I know we've talked about that. Um, I mean, there's some slow parts, right? But there's story building, you know, so I'm okay with that. Um, we got to see some sweet action, some political interviews, some love, you know, but, you know, kind of brought everything to the table here. And I, and I really enjoyed that. So as an episode by itself uh, of some random show I've never watched, I give it an eight or nine, right? Um, <laughs> compared to the book, I give it like a 1.1. 1. 1. Um, wow. <laughs> That's a pretty big disparity. Um, it's just so different. I mean, you're, you're bringing in characters that passed away in other books, yeah. right? You're bringing yeah. in, you're bringing in um, weird sexual encounters that just make no sense. You know, you're you're just doing kind of some things that are out of control from the book. You know, it's not even another turning the wheel of time. It's like a story that heard of the wheel of time, and so, um, but it. It was good. You can't complain, right? I, I've tried to be positive about it. I've tried, but gosh dang it, I've read these books too many times and I'm like always looking at them and like having questions and I'm always messaging Justin randomly like, <laughs> oh man, I was just thinking about this. What do you think about it? You know, and he's yeah. like, oh my gosh, I don't know. I haven't read that book in like four years. You yeah. know what I mean? So, yeah. um, and I, I messaged my brother, Jeff, who's a big, big fan as well. So, you know, I'm, I'm always going through this book. So it's really hard for me to to step away from that so a lot of times when we go through these episodes i'm always gonna be like oh yeah it was great however you know (laughs) according to the book on page 57 you know so i'll be like that i hope that's not a downer for anyone but i'll try to try to be positive yeah 
Well, like you said, I think at this point, there are two different things. We know that. And so what do we do with that moving forward? How do we handle that? And I think, I think you're right to give it, you know, its own in a vacuum score, as opposed to comparing it to the books, that score is going to be different. So I think that's, I think that's accurate. It's a good, good strategy. So yeah, this, that's episode four, episode five continues the journey for these characters. Uh, they're all heading towards Tar Valen. That's their end goal. And so we'll see more of that in the episode five called Blood Calls Blood is the name of it. And so we'll see more of their adventures and how they all eventually meet up at Tar Valen and what happens there. So we want to thank you guys for joining us in episode four, the Dragon Reborn of the Wheel of Time series from Amazon Prime, Rafe Judkins' Wheel of Time series. And we're happy to talk about it. We'll keep talking about it. And once we get done with this series, we'll we'll start talking about the books since we always reference them. Yes. <laughs> and and just to something that gave me kind of, I don't know if it's closure, but um, so when you're watching the show on Amazon, there's this thing called X-Ray. I don't know if you guys have noticed on the menu, you can click on that or select that option on X-Ray and it kind of gives you a map of Randland and what happened in that episode, what happens and where it happens. So it kind of gives you some reference. There's some concept art, I believe. And then there's some trivia questions. And I read through the trivia questions and I knew them all, but there's a couple that, that says, well, in the books, this is what happens in the books, you know? So I'm like, huh? So it's okay for the show to reference, you know, Hey, in the books, this is what the story is. So why can't we, right? right. We're yeah. perfectly justified in, in doing the same thing. If the right. show itself, if Amazon itself is doing that, referencing, well, in the books, this is what happens. Mark, you just got permission to be the, the, the book curmudgeon. Yes. We're, we're, good. we're all set now. Now, <laughs> I, I know you answered all the uh, um, <clears throat> beginning trivia questions. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see if you can answer my trivia question. You got one for us? Yes. Okay, let's hear it. How oh, many false dragons were in the third age? Three. No. Mm. Oh, I think there's I think there's four, right? Are you Googling it? You don't know the answer? What? There's there's seven. No. In the third age. In the third age? No. Alright. Name, names or it doesn't count. Okay. Logan Logan. Okay. Mazram Taim. Yep. Guire Emelisan. Yep. Right? Rayol and Dark Spain. Yep. Those are the four I know. Urian Stornbow. Right? Urian. Was Urian a false dragon? Was he? I don't know. Yes. (laughs) Are you sure? He was a false dragon. Uh, He could channel. Well, he could channel, but did he proclaim proclaim himself the dragon? I only knew of five, but I was actually looking him up before this episode. Um, before we did this, because I, I was like, went down my own rabbit hole and I had a question about one of the false dragons. And I pulled him up, false dragons. There's actually two more. One is named Davian, who's actually, they talk about in um, the Eye of the World, chapter 14 and 15. And not much is known about him, but Ishmael, Ishmael is the one that brings him up. And then Tom and Loyal both know the name. Hmm. But he could channel, so he's one, and his name's Davian. Cool. Like all we know, and then there's another one called Gorin, uh, Gorin Rogad, 
and he's mentioned the books too. I actually remembered after I read his, you know, read about him. He is a guy that actually can't channel, and then Ilian captured and burned him. So, <laughs> he's the ultimate so, false dragon. There we go. And he's a false dragon, right? He's counted as a false dragon, and they burnt him as a false dragon. But apparently, he claimed himself as a dragon, gained some followers went to war and then he was conquered because he couldn't channel and then they burned him to death. So <laughs> there you go. There's actually seven false dragons. So that's a, that's a good trivia question. And each one of these folks proclaimed themselves to be the dragon. Really? Yep. Okay. I'm going to have to go look these up. I'm, I did not think there was more than four. I thought that I, I thought that I was like one stuff. Cause most people think there's three, like everybody I tell you there's three. Right. And I'm like, no, 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 there's actually four. And you say seven. And so seven. I got to, so, I got to look that up. When you guys get on my level, I'll, I'll give you guys some more questions. Clearly I only knew because I, I only knew because I look, happened to look it up, looking at something else. And I was like, Oh my gosh, seven. So, yeah. All right. Uh, last time, last episode, we talked about the the threads of the pattern. Did you want to go into that and how people are reborn? If everybody's reborn, or or not? So this is really weird because according to the White Book, it's different than what I what Robert Jordan announced later. Robert Jordan, I guess, and it was in a Q&A and somebody asked him about being reborn, right? Reincarnation. And he said, everybody gets reborn into their own age, right? Everybody gets reborn. So, you know, if we're reborn, Mark will exist in this age every time during these years, right? Because obviously we can't change the pattern too much, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Hmm. I, my argument was that no, not everyone gets reborn, only specific people that the pattern designates to get reborn, get reborn, whether they're, you know, they could be tied to the horn. They could be um, the dragon reborn who's not tied to the horn, but he's reborn every, you know, um, they could be, uh, uh, I said, I gosh, dang it. We were just talking about it. Taverin. Be, um, Taverin, you know, they, so they could be Taverin, things like that. Um, and that's kind of what it mentions in the white book. And the reason I don't think everyone is reborn, because that would indicate that there's a finite number of people, right? Mm-hmm. That there's only 1 million people that we be born during this age, you know, and, and they will all have a specific role. But we know that if you get burnt from the pattern, you cannot be reborn. Right. And so that would suggest that over time, the pattern will eventually just cease to exist because people will continue to be burnt out. And, like, look how many people get burnt out in this age. Look how many people got burnt out in the last age in the Edge of Legends that we kind of know about. It was happening. So that would mean less and less people would be available. And eventually you're going to enter an age and it's going to be like only 20 people are born during this age. But somehow we're going to accomplish everything that needs to happen. Yeah. And, and so, some of the people are important people. Yeah. And so that's why I'm saying. So I, I, what I'm saying is that people are born into it. New people, new souls, new threads. That aren't nece- that didn't necessarily exist in other, you know, in the age past, but only specific people will get to be reborn in every age or not. And rabbit hole a little bit, but that led me to like thinking like, okay, what we, we do know that the second age is kind of like an inverse of the third age, right? Um, it started on top of the world, et cetera, et cetera. 
third age starts at the bottom and then gets, you know, builds up to something bigger. The third, second age ends in destruction. The third end age ends in reconciliation, you know, so there's kind of like a mirrored image of them. And so then that got me thinking, oh, so the first age is kind of mirrored, mirrored to the seventh, right? First age is kind of a new beginning, you know, from nothing. Seventh age kind of dies. What they've said is the seventh age represents our age, dies of nuclear war. So it had everything and then goes to nothing. But there's an age, there's an odd number of ages. Right. Which means one age has to be its own age. And there's nothing there. And for me, when I was thinking about that, I was thinking, I bet that's where people can be added to the horn of Valir or taken away. That's when people can be, that's when like things can be made like the, uh, um, uh, those dumb tunnels that they go into. The ways. The ways. I think that's when they can access like the other worlds and bring, you know, that's how the Ogier came and stuff like that. The and snakes I know and this foxes. Yeah, snakes and foxes. I know this is really deep if you, if you haven't read all the books because it gets really deep, but there's one age that will not be, will not have an inverse. And so something has to happen in that age. It's pretty dang important um, to the souls and to, you know, who's who's trapped with the horn of Valyria. Because I, I asked that question in, in some of the major things like, okay, if you can get added to the horn of Valyria, can you get unadded? And people seem to think you could, but I would assume that it can only be done during that age that isn't an inverse of anything. It's its own age. Yeah. So, And it'd have to be either the fourth or the sixth. Because either yeah. the fourth and the fifth are inverse, or yeah. the fifth and sixth are inverse, are yeah. connected. So yeah, yeah. So I I don't know. Made made me wonder. I know it's a weird rabbit hole and super deep, and I know we shouldn't ask about that. But you know that kind of got me wondering there. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So this is the kind of stuff, kind of conversations we like to have on the Fourth Fear and Podcast. We do talk about the books, the shows, but we also speculate. So if you have any speculations or questions, definitely. Uh, send us an email, look us up on social media, the fourth of Aaron on Twitter or credible nerds on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter as well. And let us know what you think. Uh, check out our website, CredibleNerds.com. We have all our wheel of time content posted as well as all the other franchises and universes that we like to talk about. So check us out there. Thanks for listening to this episode and we'll be back shortly with episode, our review of episode five, blood calls blood. So thanks for listening and may you find water and shade. See you guys. See you later.